Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network as we present Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors episode number four. That's right. We are at episode number four covering WCW Saturday Night and WWF Superstars from 1992. Head to head, the precursor to the Monday Night Wars. I am one half of the hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth, from Kicking Out at Two, which is also a part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network family. And joining me, as always, the mayor of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, the Dr. Frankenstein, the mad scientist, the architect of all of this greatness that is nostalgic pro wrestling, Kobe Knight. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, dude? Thank you for the uh, lovely introduction. As always, um, I am standing for this episode because sometimes you get tired of sitting around. Um, so we're going to do it this way. Interesting. Um, I okay. learned from a recent podcast that standing is good for podcasting. So Okay. Yeah. All right. Standing. Standing. I'm sitting. So, I mean, because I've been standing all day at my regular job. So, But I okay. am sitting. Um, so, yeah. But I'm ready. That means I'm pumped. That means I'm pumped, Dave. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's I'm a happy thing. for this episode of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, as always. Episode four. Um, we're getting deep here. We're getting deeper into May. Yeah. It's May 16th. That's right. May the 16th. A lot took place on May the 16th in professional wrestling history. 1992, that is. May the 16th, 1992. Um, but for you Saturday morning wrestling buffs out there. That, uh, that, that are following this show. And we'd like to thank you all for, for helping continue to grow this following of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We hope you're enjoying the nostalgic trip down memory lane when Saturdays were always, always, always meant for wrestling. Yes, they were. Saturdays are for wrestling, as they say, as we say now. We're trademarking that. We're going to make that a shirt. Okay. Um, um, we should have everybody um, who voted just congratulated right here for the uh, War Games. Um, yeah, the poll that we posted on Facebook. If you guys don't know, we post a lot of polls and uh, pictures and a lot of updates on Facebook. So you should join the community over at Retromania. What That's Retromania with a W, as always. Um, we have a poll for watching war games the match or wrestle war 92 and everybody voted unanimously for war games 92 just the war games match so uh dave and i are going to be covering that so look forward to that you ready dave yeah that's coming up uh sometime in the next you know, next few days or so uh you know, uh, War Games 1992 Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite War Games matches of all time. And since we've been covering a lot of WCW 1992, we thought it would be fitting that we we do a special watch party of this actual match because a lot of the, yes. the storylines that we've been covering from WCW Saturday Night during this time period, everything culminates 
at least for the the Dangerous Alliance and Sting Squadron. The DA? The DA versus the SS. Um <laughs> over on uh, over over at uh, War Games from uh, Wrestle War 1992. So uh this, this, this it's going to be a lot of fun watching that, checking that out. Yeah, and this is the road to that match um for the latter half of this episode covering WCW Saturday Night. Um but before we get into that and before we get into the day of May 16th, let's run down everything going over on kicking out at Two Land. Dave? Oh, thanks, man. Uh, last week, we um, last week we uh, we brought you the squared circle cinemas where we covered um, you know uh, movies that uh, were involving professional wrestlers. You can check that out over in the archives at facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two, and over at soundcloud.com. It will be up shortly on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. Uh, my brother Daryl and I sat down and we gave uh, movie reviews on some movies that. We've both watched that starred pro wrestlers. So uh, Princess Bride, um, No Holds Barred, Predator, um, Problem Child 1, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, um, a few of The Rock's movies like Walking Tall, you know, names like The Rock, Jesse Ventura, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan. Um, the list goes on and on. We covered a, we covered a, a fair amount of movies, and there will probably be a part two. So for any wrestling fans it's out pretty there. Deep. Yeah, we went pretty deep on this first one, but there's plenty more that um, I've watched personally. So Daryl kind of gave the list and of, of movies that he watched. So probably part two, I'll probably be bringing up my own list and uh, of what I've watched because he didn't watch everything. But anyhow. Um, it's very yeah, that, awesome. That's also on Retromania Pro Wrestling okay. Podcast. I, I, now. I, I apologize. Thank you very much. Yeah, no. it's over there. Everything's so you, there. You can guys can check that out. And this week on Kicking Out at Two, we have for you a special watch party commemorating 15 years since the last time WWE brought a pay-per-view to my hometown of Hartford, Connecticut, as we watch Vengeance 2004. Um my buddy Dennis mm-hmm. Levy joins me, and we sat down. We watched that show from beginning to end. Um, that show was headlined by Chris Benoit and Triple H for the World Heavyweight title. We saw Randy Orton and Edge for the Intercontinental title. Ric Flair and Eugene challenging La Resistance for the tag team titles. Uh, this was 2004, brand extension. Monday is a raw brand pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, this was uh, interesting. This was the last time Hartford hosted a pay-per-view. And with Money in the Bank coming up later this weekend, which – Dennis and I are going to be attending, along with my brother Daryl. Um, I thought it was fitting that we just celebrate and commemorate the last time Hartford, the capital city in Connecticut, um, played host to a WWE pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, very fitting, and you guys can check that out at all the same links, soundcloud.com, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two, our handle on Twitter, at kicking out two, and very soon on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. And next week, next week we have a really special show for you planned um, on kicking out of two, is we're going to be celebrating um, the life of the late, great Owen Hart. Unfortunately, next week will be the 20th anniversary of his passing. Um, and Justin and I, my brother Justin, sat down with me recently, and we, we, we talked about our memories growing up watching Owen Hart, kind of going through um, a lot of his career highlights. We do touch upon the night 
of his passing as we did order that pay-per-view and uh yeah so uh we had a lot of fun with that one it's gonna be a very light-hearted show um but uh yeah looking forward to uh dropping that one the, the life and times of the late great owen hart next week on kicking out at two and for those Sounds of you that fun. like for those of you that like polls we talked about it on last week's show there's a poll currently up. I think it goes till the end of the day today, Saturday, when this podcast drops. Um, you can vote for um, which watch party do you want to view on the May 29th episode of Kicking Out of Two. You could either vote for Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the main event from Wrestle War 1989, which we're going to be celebrating. The We just recently celebrated the 30th anniversary of that match, or... You can vote for ECW Hardcore Heaven 1999, um, which is the we've we've approached. I believe today is the 20th anniversary of that event. So uh, yeah, you could vote for one of those two to be a part of our May 29th Watch Party edition of Kicking Out at Two. Hit that up in the polls over at Kicking Out at Two Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter handle. You can vote over there too at kicking out to k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two kobe i think i covered it all last week this week and next week tell us update us let us know what's going on in the land of the retromania well dave all those podcasts you listed are already on retromania pro wrestling podcast despite the one that you just said was coming up uh vengeance is up there today uh the squared circle cinema is already up there today I got a chance to listen to the Vengeance one, uh, at least the the near end of it, um, as editing through stuff. Um, great stuff, as always, Dave. Would you, now let me ask I gotta you something. Say. Let me ask you something, because it, it is a controversial subject. Um, listener opinion. What did you think of us discussing the, the, the Chris Benoit controversy? You guys did a fair, uh, fair assessment of it. Okay, I will just say that. I appreciate and I that. I won't spoil it. Okay, um, fair enough. I will say that everybody should go listen to that episode. Um, it's it's a good episode, uh, definitely for Retromania, um, and kicking out it too. So that is already there on the feed at Podbean. And you can find us on any podcast app by searching Retromania with a W at the beginning. That's W-R-E-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A. If you're listening to this, you know how to spell it. I mean, I'm just going through the the plug bits right here. But we're also on Google Play, Spotify, search iTunes. I mean, any podcast app. Just search for us. We're there. We're here on the new network. This is the launch. Nothing on the old feed anymore. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that Hulkamania is Dead will be returning with SummerSlam and Survivor Series after WrestleMania 7. What's the aftermath? Hmm. And then we got the back catalog of Gaijin Wrestling Radio. That's the monthly episodes that I do where I'm running down the match of the month or a special or pay-per-view presented by ROH, New Japan, and NXT. Combined, the foreign wrestling factions that aren't the WWE mainstays, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I've been watching a lot of interesting stuff. I know I sent you some information. <sighs> TNA Impact, they have a channel on Pluto. It's interesting. 
It's very interesting. Um, I've been thinking of covering some old TNA, maybe introducing that to Gaijin Wrestling Radio. So stay tuned. Um, Gaijin Wrestling Radio will be a monthly podcast where I feature a special match from that month of those territories or promotions that I just disclaimed to you guys and uh, either go over it with a guest and watch it along or just discuss it and uh, go over the history of the guys in that time period. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun stuff watching old Impact Wrestling. I mean, it's crazy. Have you seen any of it, Dave? No, I have not. Um, that'd be interesting. I wouldn't mind covering some of that stuff because it was as much as a bad rap TNA gets. Um, I think there was some. I think there was some solid stuff and some good stuff that they put out over the years. Um, but um, I hate to cut you off here, um, but there is a little bit of breaking news that I think we should kind of discuss. Um, it just came okay. through to me. Um, According to Pro Wrestling Sheet, former WWE diva Ashley Massaro has passed away at the age of 39 years old. Um, oh, my God. According to The Blast, the Suffolk, the Suffolk County Medical Examiner says Massaro passed away on Thursday, which is today that we are recording this, um, even though our show drops on Saturdays, and that her death is currently under investigation. The cause of death has not been determined confirmed at this time funeral services are set to take place on tuesday in new york according to a good friend of hers who just shared the details in a facebook post um that's terrible man. wow yeah i thought um, i thought we at least should address that it just came through i just noticed it and i wanted to at least cover it by the time this show drops on saturday maybe we'll we'll you know have more um more, more details surrounding her passing but wow yeah that's um that's un- that's well, very that's very unfortunate very, it's a terrible segue, actually. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't have, mean to do that. We have everything at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast, but let's get into this episode. Um, we'll start with the squared circle of life. At least we'll go through the deaths. Today, Ashley Mazzaro. What, what can you remember from her? She won a diva search. Um she was a part of a major title match at the very first WrestleMania I ever attended, WrestleMania 23. She wrestled Melina for the women's title. She was in Playboy. She had dated Matt Hardy for a little while. Um, last time I had heard of any kind of rumblings from her on social media, she got into a little uh, little uh, verbal beef on Twitter with um, Matt Hardy's current wife, uh, Rebby Sky. Rebby Hardy, I should say. Um, yeah, I did. I'm. I'm I'm not too familiar with her. Um, I just know that was the dark days of wrestling for me. Yeah, she um, came in in 2006, I believe. Yeah, so not not too much. But I knew, uh, didn't she do Playboy as well? Yes, she did. Was she 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 was type that type of template where they kept it going of like a model, a fitness model, you know, wrestling in there and then doing Playboy and capitalizing off of that. Um, I, I do remember going through like WrestleManias and like watching like every single pay-per-view from like start to finish on WWE when they launched the network and, uh, seeing her progression here and there, um, wasn't bad. And, uh, I just don't know that much about her, but man, that's, that's terrible. That is terrible, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, it's... 
we don't know anything at this time right now, so I really don't want to speculate what it could be or, you know. But, yeah, very unfortunate. Um, and how old is she? 39. She's only three years yeah. older than me. So, I mean, Jesus, you know. And, yeah, it's just – it's it's crazy. It really is. But, um, yeah, no, our condolences go out to uh, – the, uh, the the family of uh, of Ashley Massaro. Um, I did meet her once briefly in passing. Um, I was at the I was at that WrestleMania in Detroit, and I was at the after party. Um, and uh, I believe at the time she was dating Matt Hardy, and uh, I was hanging out with uh, Shane Helms, and he introduced me to Matt, and she was standing right there, so she stuck her hand out, said hello, we shook hands, really quick. And uh, that was the end of that. Um, yeah, very unfortunate. Um, so young, too. And really, that's just, you know, it's unfortunate. But, um, yeah, let's try and uh, let's try and uh, continue with this here. Who else do we got that um, that is no longer with us here in the squared circle of life? Well, let's go to uh, Chief White Owl, who had died on this day as well. Um, he's one of the older wrestlers that was uh, carrying the Native American gimmick name George Dahmer I'm not sure if he necessarily had uh, lineage for Native Americans but um, yeah Uh, a popular popular wrestler throughout the um, the late 1960s mid 60s um, just a just a guy who worked with Chief J Strongbow as well. I mean, they worked alongside each other. Um, they they always tried to uh, pair those guys as well as Wahoo McDaniel, uh, Chief Bigheart. You know, he mm-hmm. would he would team with them. Gotcha. So, uh, I wasn't really familiar with him. Uh, he had died on this day. We'll get into it more on his birthday. But um, that is that for his death day and another person who had passed away on this day is Big Dick Dudley. What do you know about Big Dick Dudley? Um, I just know that he was part of the Dudley clan in ECW. He was like their their big man in the group. Um before, you know, my first exposure to ECW uh, was in, in 1990. Well, I mean, I knew who they were in 97, but being able to watch them in 99, um, I went to a um, I went to a house show, an ECW house show that took place at the Armory in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and the Dudleys, that was my first exposure to the Dudley boys. And I thought those guys were going to get killed, the things they were saying to the people. <laughs> um, and at one point um i've told this story before but uh at one point um you know bubba got on the microphone and said you know anybody want to try me um you know basically you know I'll, I'll give you one free shot and some guy in the front row was heckling him and he got out and he jumped he you know he jumped over the top rope and you know made his way out to the floor that the kid was going to jump the barricade and security got involved and Bubba was standing there and um, I just remember like Big Dick Dudley was kind of off to the side he didn't really get involved so when Bubba went back in the ring because basically he was just getting heat um, Bubba went back in the ring and um, 
we thought it was over, and then Dick just stared at the guy. So I thought that was rather interesting. Just uh, I was kind of you know tickled about that. Like he just like literally just <laughs> stared at the guy while Bubba went back in the ring to cut his promo. Um, but yeah, wow. I mean he he was like their enforcer, their big man of the group. Um, yeah. You know, so um, that's really all I know about Big Dick Dudley was through his time later, in ECW. Yeah, and then later wrestled in the kind of like pseudo revival of ECW XPW. That's right, he uh, did. I forgot until about, about that. Two thousand and one. Yeah, that was uh, awful. And, yeah, I, I remember getting. Not, a, I, not I remember the getting a few stuff. few VHSs. From from uh, of the XPW, I wanted to see what it was about, and I remember I bought the one where New Jack threw Vic Grimes off the scaffold, and like threw like the eighty tables or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Big Dick Dudley I think was on that show too. Yeah. All right, let's uh, continue on with the squared circle of life. Another person who passed away on this day, Doug Summers. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got it right. Yeah, Doug Summers was a part of a tag team with Playboy Buddy Rose in the AWA. They were AWA World Tag Team Champions. Um, they were managed by Sensational Sherry. They had that bloodbath of a match against the Rockers on AWA TV in 87, I believe it was. Um, yeah, 1987, uh, which um, I believe you can find that on WWE Network on like one of the Shawn Michaels collections. Um I think it's in there. But, yeah, um, that was really all I knew about Doug Summers. Yeah, later he turned into a, uh enhancement talent uh, because, you know, Vince McMahon purchased a lot of the AWA talent. Yep. And um, 1992 sake, his last match was Big Boss Man getting beat by Big Boss Man August 11th, 1992. On Superstars? Um, the Wrestling Challenge. We will okay. see him on Superstars of Wrestling, though. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. Uh, last I heard that, uh, you know, Doug Summers um, was trying to, uh, was, I think it was in 2012 or 2013, he was trying to, um, he was uh, in a legal battle with WWE because his name and his likeness was on the... Um, on the WWE Network, and oh no, this was even past. I'm, yeah, this is way past 2013. I think this was like 2015. Um, he was he was in a legal battle with WWE because his name and likeness was a part of the um, the network, and he thought he should have been financially compensated for it. Um, and they eventually threw his case out, and that was the end of that. But that was the last I heard of Doug Summers. Wow. Well, um, R.I.P. Everybody on this day that we. Um Marked down. Let's get into the people who were born on this day. The Simbas of the squared circles of life. (laughs) The oldest. So, sorry. So now that you've made a Lion King reference, would the people that have passed are these the Mufasas? Yes, of course. Okay. Just too short, too soon. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Let's go to Friday. May 16th, 1919, the oldest one here in Wisconsin, who was born? Liberace. Liberace was born in 1919? Yeah. Holy shit, he was old. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, what's his contribution to the wrestling business, Dave? Liberace was a celebrity guest timekeeper. He was the, as Gerald Briscoe would say, he was the bail ranger. Um, he, uh, he, he was the, the, the timekeeper for WrestleMania one, Liberace and the Rockets. Um, yes, yeah. indeed. That's and he came out strutting and doing his, uh, rocket stuff and, uh, a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. They always flash to that when they talk about WrestleMania moments. Oh yeah, and the entrances too. Like he was like you know the first to really have like an extravagant entrance at WrestleMania. Um, yeah, because he brought the Rockettes and he had the little bell and you know like the like it was I don't even know what, what kind of bell you would call that, but it was like some little like girly foofy little bell. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, girly indeed. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, so Liberace made his appearance there. And, uh, you know, just paved the way for celebrity appearances for WrestleMania and wrestling moments. What Vince McMahon Jr. envisioned. Yes, indeed. All right. Happy birthday, Liberace. Uh, Wednesday, May 16th, 1928. Billy Martin. Billy Martin, Billy Martin, former New York Yankees manager, on again, off again, uh, New York Yankees manager. Because I, I mean, for those of you ba- for for you baseball buffs out there, um, Billy Martin had more stints as a Yankee manager than I can remember. I remember, I believe one time he, they announced him as the manager of the of the team, and at a press conference, and then Steinbrenner fired him. George Steinbrenner fired him on TV. Um, Literally at that same press conference, they got in an argument live on TV um, the day wow. he was hired. They fired him then. But Billy Martin was, um, yeah, very controversial, and he was the guest ring announcer at WrestleMania One in the same uh, setting as Liberace. And uh, yeah, Billy um, didn't really do a whole lot other than just announce the you know the the participants of the main event but um if you go back and you watch some old stuff on the wwe network um there's some stories about billy martin's uh participation and like the vignettes leading up to wrestlemania one and i remember one in particular um mean gene tells a story that uh he um he was looking to, uh, you know, film this this spot that was going to air on TV, and he showed up, and like Billy Martin was hammered drunk, um, <laughs> and uh, Gene got him through it, and they ended up, but they had to do a lot of heavy editing to it because he was so bombed. Um, but yeah, that's really about it. it. Came to Billy Martin and his contribution to wrestling. Happy birthday, Billy Martin. A more significant member of the wrestling community and his contributions to it, born on this day, May 16th, Monday, 1938, Johnny Rods. Johnny, Johnny Rods. Rods, yeah. He was a famous enhancement talent for WWE, but he also trained some of the biggest names in wrestling between the Dudley Boys and Taz. And, and Yeah, so I mean... Um, that's Rods' contribution to the wrestling business is the guys that he brought in. I don't know who else he's, he's trained. Those are just the three off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not too sure either, um, but he definitely he's had a showcase of matches, you know, from the 
the late 60s into the mid 80s um and he just trained all these um great guys like you said like Devon and the Dudleys or Devon and Bubba like you can't deny that these guys are like impactful in the ring and his uh ring work from what I've seen and what we noted on marking out the days prior stuff he's a good heel yeah um he he's a good enhancement talent as well um they didn't give him too much in WWF but uh I know that he can work a match from other stuff that I've seen yeah yeah no I mean very talented guy um you know, someone who um, contributed, you know, not just, you know, by training guys, but also his performances in the ring of the business um, in the early days of the world wrestling, the WWF, I should say. Yeah. Who else do we got on this birthday list? The next one coming up is the Godfather, Papa Shango, a man who is in our timeline. Uh, Kamu Mustafa. What what other names do we got? At one point, he was the soul taker, I believe, in Memphis. I believe mm. in Memphis wrestling, he was the soul taker, and he actually had a tag team with the Undertaker um, in Memphis. I don't know what Undertaker's name was um, in Memphis. I want to say he was. Was he Mean Mark? Maybe I'm not sure. I could be mistaken, sure. but yeah. Um, Kama Mustafa, the Good Father. The Supreme Fighting Machine, comma, from the Million Dollar Corporation. Yeah, he's he's been he's he's worn. It's a good father. Did we say good father? Oh no, we didn't. Yeah, that's was, a good one. He was the good father. Yeah, um, a lot of uh, a lot. He wore a lot of hats, but the one most memorable is the pimp hat along with that cane. Um, it it was the Undertaker as the Punisher. Okay, yes, up. you're right. Correct, correct. In 1990, everybody. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, so that's not too far from uh, Undertaker's debut. The Godfather. Memorable for his time now that we'll be covering in this episode for Papa Shango. Also, The Godfather. I mean, I love that dude. Did you not love him? Oh, you kidding me? The Ho Train? You as a teenage boy, man, he was one of the he was he was one of the ones I enjoyed watching. You know, like what the what are the girls gonna look like today? Who's he gonna offer the hose to? You know what I mean? Come on, who didn't like the Godfather? Yeah, awesome stuff from him. Um, happy birthday to the Godfather, Charles Wright, born 1961. Let's move on real quick, Peaches. 1967 on this day she was born in philly pennsylvania and she worked with ecw around this time of um peaches was that a stripper name (laughs) yes she worked around 1992 1994 1996 with ecw working here and there with uh tommy dreamer back and forth with the uh storyline that we had going with him and Raven and stuff, you know, just moving parts throughout that timeline with Sandman as well. Um, uh, so just a, a, a 90s female wrestler that doesn't get that much credit, but did some bumps in the ring for ECW. 
Okay, I wasn't familiar with her either, to be honest with you. Did not know who Peaches was, except uh, if I frequented uh, a local gentleman's club establishment. <laughs> and that's the only Peaches yeah. I knew of. Sorry. All right, last but not least uh, for the birthdays, 1965, Mike Kanellis. Mike, Mike Bennett, Kanellis. otherwise yes. known as. Go to it. Yeah, no, he's a he's a, a local New England guy. Um, okay. Uh, AC from the Cooldown, he uh, which will be debuting uh, in the very near future here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, he's a big he's a big Mike Bennett guy um, from his time in the Kingdom with Adam Cole and uh, and and uh, Matt Taven in Ring of Honor. Um, then he had a brief run in uh, Impact Wrestling, and then of course coming to WWE, he's, he's now a mainstay on the the, the two hundred five Live brand. Um, talented guy, uh, I follow him on social media. Apparently, he's been uh, about a year and a half sober. Um, he had a, he had a, a problem with uh, pain uh, pain pills and uh, prescription drugs, and got himself some help and now he kind of sends a positive message on his social media page to you know people that are struggling and you know one of his one of his uh his big uh um motivational words of wisdom i guess is called process over outcome um very you know, cool talking about like his setbacks and how he's not featured on tv as much and the, the rumors i've heard in the last year or so is that wwe um they signed him and then when he was brought to the main roster um very quickly might i add um that uh he's he didn't live up to what they what they thought they were getting with him and uh he just wasn't in the best shape and he's rededicated his life to being in more shape he's got a he's got a little baby girl so i mean um didn't know a whole lot about him i knew a little bit from his time in ring of honor and some of the stuff he did with impact wrestling but um sounds like a guy who loves the business and uh you know, will do just about anything to uh, to to succeed and get ahead. And he seems to have a, a solid role on Two Hundred Five Live these days. I don't follow that show, but um, for what I hear, um, he's... yeah, right now he's feuding with Akira Tozawa. Okay, and uh, all right, cool, cool, taking some losses here and there. But uh, like you said, a predominant member of ROH in New Japan for a couple of years. Um, he was strong over there, man. There was a lot of uh, promise for this guy. Yep. Um, and then there was that spot with the uh, with the pile driver on the apron to BJ Whitmer. Okay. Yep. So he had a uh, strong feud with BJ Whitmer, where he kind of like broke ground. Um, because before he was just kind of this like jackass floating around in ROH and territories. But um, once he did the pile driver scene with BJ Whitmer, it was pretty deadly. Um, and that progressed his storyline and became this this great character working along with his wife, Maria Canellis, um, which now he has taken the last name of for WWE's sake. But uh I like that. Him, I like I, that. I, I do too, but they didn't capitalize off it, man. Yeah, we no, they fucking didn't. Talking about this, and I'm sorry for bitching, and no, I know we're it. going like 40 minutes into the birthdays and the squared circle of life, and into the intro of this episode. But come on, man, you got to do something. This guy is <clears throat> way better than that. 
you got to capitalize off that storyline. You got to do something. You oh, know? Absolutely. I thought like that was a heat seeker right there. Like he took his wife's last name. Holy shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and I then thought that, that was... fantastic music. Oh, the, the god awful music, and they would both wear like the headsets, like, and they would like sing to each other. Oh yeah, it was, it was it, yeah. But you know, hopefully he'll get another shot at it. I mean, I think you know, um, I I heard recently, like before WrestleMania, I believe they both asked for their releases, but they're both denying it publicly. Um, but hopefully, they, you know, they 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 he can he can excel and improve in two hundred five, and maybe he'll get moved up to the main roster. And then get lost, and then they'll call him the 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 Mike Canellis experience, or um, <laughs> or you know the you know, yeah whatever they'll, they'll they'll change his name again you know, but yeah, um, I hear you. I'm, so, on, I'm, I'm on board with you. They needed to capitalize on that. They needed to do something with him. Happy birthday to Mike Bennett Canellis, if you will. Let's bounce back real quick to who Johnny Rods trained. Big Dick Dudley is okay. a person he trained as well. All right. So that ties in. There you go. Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Bill Devon. I had a feeling Dreamer was a name on that list. Okay. Vince Russo, bro. Trained him? Yeah. He trained Vince Russo. What did he train uh, Vince Russo to do? I guess to take a bump by Goldberg and not protect himself. Really? Um, bro. Matt Stryker. Bro. Uh, Prince Nana. Big Cass. Taz. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Some good names by Johnny Rods. Not bad. So uh, that is the extended version of Squared Circle of Life, everybody. Look at that. We got a little time. deep there, but yeah. yeah, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. Let's let, let, let's get into the real meat and potatoes of this day. Let's let's uh, let's go back to uh, May sixteenth, nineteen ninety two, Saturday morning, and W W W F Superstars. <sighs> ten, ten in the morning. 10, 11 in the morning, give or take. Where depending on where you are, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. they used to be in the afternoon too, at like one o'clock. You know, it all yeah. depends. Yeah. Uh, we're starting off here with a lot of puns from Mister Perfect. He's joined by Vince McMahon as always, and uh, Mister Perfect is running down all these like, "Where's the beef? Two all beef patties, special sauce," and like Vince has the best characteristics on TV. He just like looks at the camera like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Even though he wrote all this shit, you know? <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a whopper of a sell. Either way. But uh, Vince tells him, your buns are as good as toast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, man. I have a feeling this is going to be a rough one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yeah. This episode is wacky, quick, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll get into it as we go along. Yeah. We'll have the main event match. It's the Ultimate Warrior against one of the Nasty Boys. Who knows? Right? Yeah, we'll see. 
Oh, I know. He's been playing that up the past few weeks. Jesus. Uh, so coming out is Shawn Michaels with Sensa- Sensational Sherry against Sonny Blaze. This is Sonny uh, Blaze, the cake yeah. boss. <laughs> exactly. This is a typical Shawn Michaels enhancement match. Mr. Perfect calls Shawn Michaels the wrestler of the 90s. Yeah. I like that. Doesn't like surprise that, me. And then mid-match, we get like a, a, a picture-in-picture view of the WWF magazine in 1992 talking about separating the boys from the men. And it has a graphic that says, boys to men and it's the rivalry between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels wow yeah how ironic you know that eventually it would become a real personal rivalry behind the scenes too you know just as the years it's went on it's almost like they booked themselves into a you know they you know they, they worked, worked themselves, themselves into, into a shoot yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy like 1992 what do you think like i mean do you think this could have carried on as far as like a good feud if they had went forward more and more in 92 mm-hmm. yeah i think it, yeah i mean michaels i think i think michaels was riding riding pretty high off of off of his turn on Janetti. like even though um, women, you know, were attracted to him. Women viewers got a kick out of him. He kind of had that like ravishing. He was like the the younger ravishing Rick Rude uh, kind of wrestler at that time. Um, guys hated him, and I think I remember as a kid not really liking him because of what he did to Janetti. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like as as mm-hmm. as a as a nine year old, I was you know upset that the Rockers were broken up and that he was the reason why and so i think like he he sustained a good amount of heat where um looking back on it now he was definitely a credible opponent for bret hart for the intercontinental championship um but i think that you know looking back on it they probably just wanted to see how well he was going to progress they didn't want to rush it with him because they knew that they had something with him and they didn't want to they didn't want to ruin it um but I i i do think that um I mean, we could sit here and talk about it all day, but uh, I'm guessing Sean and Brett was supposed to be a very long-term program for the Intercontinental title. But if, uh, you know, Flair hadn't decided that he was going to, uh, you know, uh, resign or leave to go to WCW, um, you know, maybe Brett wouldn't have gotten that opportunity um, at the WWF championship and, uh, you know, we would have just seen him and Sean holding down the mid card for the Intercontinental title. But I'm sure that we're going to discuss that more um, as the weeks and months go on with this uh, you know, weekend Warriors marking out the days. Yes, indeed. You're absolutely right. Um, we will get into that deeper into this episode, too. Um, Sean wins this match easily with, guess what, a side suplex. Yeah. It's not the show. Before moment. he really developed yeah. that super kick, like the super kick wasn't like really, you know, it's a crescent kick. God damn it! Yeah, don't yeah, don't say super kick to Eric Bischoff. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, so he beats Sonny Blaze here, and that's about it. 
Then we get a replay of Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair having that awesome match from last week. They play a lot of it, even the botch where he can't even get him up. Jeez. But uh, Mean Gene talks about what happened in that match where the Mountie used the shock stick on Sergeant Slaughter and helped Ric Flair win that match. Um, And we cut to Jimmy and the Mountie. And it's the Mountie holding up this huge red dildo saying, Sergeant, you're going to surrender to me. No, I'm sorry. It's not a dildo. It, It just looked like a huge red device. So... They had to get his gimmick going even, uh, you know, deeper. They were like, all right, not the shock stick. It's the super shock stick. So. Yeah, I don't know what that thing was underneath. I don't know what it was. It, uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't know if it was an extension from a vacuum cleaner or something that they put. And they like put red tape over it. I couldn't even. I was trying to figure out what exactly that was, like, to be perfectly honest with you. And I still couldn't figure it out. But, um you know, yeah, the super shock stick and the the the, the sound effects of the the volts. You yeah, know, I'm wondering. Presses the button, like yeah, it was it was pretty silly. Yeah, yeah, it, and they were using the red ring rope tape, so uh, it all blended in. But uh, as a kid, I was in. I was oh like, yeah, so oh, was I. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't like the Mountie at all. You know. Nobody uh, did. Yeah. Moving on. Next up, it's Barry Hardy against Tatanka. Tatanka has a picture in picture during this match, and he's going to seek revenge on Rick Martell for stealing his feathers. We covered that a couple weeks ago. Yes. Vince calls the feathers. A Native American folklore. <clears throat> okay, that's like yeah. Vince was very yeah. Vince was very cultured. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, Jesus, the the uh, the Catholic American folklore. Yeah. <laughs> he desecrated his sacred cross right, that right. he carried all the <laughs> way from Nazareth to Jerusalem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he would never do that. But uh, Native Americans. They're, they're... We're going to have a 12 apostles on a pole match. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Hey, oh, wow. Just... Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. That was not intended. <laughs> we're keeping that one. We're not editing that out. We're keeping that one on okay. there. We need to offend some people with this podcast, okay? <laughs> Moving on. I think we offend plenty. Um, moving on, we have Tatanka winning this match with a Samoan backdrop. He's not that Indian or that native. I think they're confusing. They were just like, give him a fucking, what's the Polynesian thing? You know, more racist (laughs) stuff. We can't do the tomahawk chop. (laughs) The Atlanta Braves are going to sue us. God damn it. But Tatanka's over like, (laughs) yeah. The Tatanka is over like Rover, though. Um, just coming in They're here popular, hot. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. I, that, man, as a kid, I thought Tatanka was going to be a big deal. 
Me too. We talked about it. Not necessarily the WWF championship, but I think we talked about the IC. Right. Yeah, I thought he was going to be like a, one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. Like, and I don't know. I mean, just the way they built him up and how popular he was. Like, yeah, I was just, I was kind of surprised at his trajectory, to be honest with you. But you know, we'll we'll discuss that more at another day. Yes, we will. As the weeks go on, um, you want to cover this next part because <clears throat> I know you love this stuff. <laughs> What are you trying to say? Nothing. <laughs> we <laughs> we had a WBF promo, the World Bodybuilding Federation, with Gary Stridham and his Grade A Prime Beef. <laughs> June thirteenth, pay per view extravaganza. Only on pay per view. Yeah, man. Once They're again, this was out. another. This was another one where Vince was fucking cranking out a fresh batch of doing an audio, watching this video, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with his pants down around his ankles in the studio, and Patterson was watching the whole time. Um, Vince, you're not doing it hard enough. The guy, he's got the dumbbell, and he's stroking, and he's got the big muscles and the vascularity, and he's tan. What are you doing? At least put two hands on it when you're going to finish, Vince. Come on. <laughs> you're right, pal. Jerk. Jerk it like you want it, Vince. You know, do you need me to help you? Hold on, let me put my cigarette out. I'll be right back. Patterson, <laughs> you stay there. God damn it! I only pretend to like men. God damn it! <laughs> oh Jesus! It's a gimmick. You live the gimmick. Oh, Leave God. my gimmick alone. God damn it! <laughs> you want me to help you with your gimmick, Mister McMahon? Briscoe, <laughs> the hell are you doing here? I heard some commotion between you and Mr. Patterson, and I thought maybe you'd want some Native American experience when it comes to stroking your tomahawk chop down there, if you know what I mean, Mr. McMahon. (laughs) Thank you very much. We have a load of characters introduced to the Weekend Warriors (laughs) expedition now. Holy shit. <laughs> let's continue with this show there, Kobe Nida. All right, let's go from Indian Warriors to Viking Warriors. It's Husk. the Berserker in the Husk. ring against Scott Taylor, Scotty Too Hottie. Way before he was that hottie, right? Yeah, he was a naughty, that's for sure. Yes. Um, during the match... Vince says, posters too will be distributed on newsstands soon. I used to love those poster magazines. Did you ever get those? Yeah, man. Yeah. Loved them. This was the time that I was a wrestling fan, like, where I was getting so much merch. This is why I fell in love with wrestling. It was like the dying days of the Hulk era onto, like, what they were trying to hang on for this era. And we talked about this when we started episode one, but yeah, man, I was all in on this. Oh yeah, man. The posters, I mean, the action figures, I still have to get, I still have to take pictures and post it on the, on the, uh, on our Facebook page, but yeah, I mean, Definitely. all the Hasbro's I've collected over the, you know, the, in the last year or so, since I've been doing, you know, kicking out at two, um, a lot of these Hasbro's, 
I've purchased recently in the last year, but some of them I have when I was a kid. And that's like, when I think of like 90s WWF, especially this time period, 1992, I think of those toys, man. Yeah. We probably have to do a show on just the toys. Like, that we, would be pretty cool. We like have the merch to. And stuff. We've been talking yeah, about that, it long enough. We have to. Yeah, we're going to have to at some point. But yeah, man, I totally get it. Like, the posters, and I remember, like, if I didn't get the posters at, you know, at the newsstand, they would have them at the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you could find them at like you know the, like the house shows or whatever. But yeah, man, those posters, the poster magazines were so cool. And you ever and you remember they used to do posters on both sides, so you had to pick yeah. which side you wanted. Exactly. So I would and you have I to would, carefully pin out the staples of the magazine because yes. they're right in like the middle of the page and it's it, they're technically like you know in the in the frame of the actual magazine itself. But I remember kids will never understand. Of, they can go nowadays no. and be like Office Depot, send me a print. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember as a kid. Sometimes if I got the poster magazine, I'd go to the store and get another one. So that if I wanted, if I wanted Hulk Hogan on one side, I'd get Sid Justice on the other side. There you know, you but go. I could hang them both. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I wrestle. I wonder if my parents have pictures of like my bedroom, like over the years when I was a kid, with all the posters and things I had hung up on the walls. Yeah, man, it was pretty wild. But that'd yeah. be cool. Um. It's just cool to run down this nostalgia stuff with you. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Berserker I love it. wins this match by countout because his finisher at the time is to just throw the fucking guy over the top rope onto the mat, shit. out to the outside, and win by countout. Holy I love shit. That. I love that, man. But as a kid, I didn't really understand it. But I, it, was, it was different. But that was what, like, wrestling was about like everyone had individuality you know what i yeah. mean got some guys won by submission some guys won by pinfall everyone looked different not everyone was the same not everyone sounded the same this motherfucker threw people over the top rope like, like you know what i mean yeah like i it was just yeah i can almost I see it. vince being like confused like you're a viking so you kind of like came over on a ship so you throw people over the ship and he's like yeah, that's a, a pirate boat yeah <laughs> Like, well, we got Skinner already. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we cut to the event center with Sean Mooney as he cuts to El Matador. El Matador thanks the fans, and he's going to take down all the bad guys. He lists literally every single heel who he'll probably job to. So we'll see how this goes for 1992 with El Matador, Tito Santana. Ariba. Yes, indeed. Uh, Then we go to the Nasty Boys with Jimmy Hart, and they call out Coco Beware and Owen Hart. High energy. Hmm. Upcoming match. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's, you know what? 2019, 36-year-old Dave Rosenbluth, I'd be into that. Yeah. I'd be into the Nasty Boys against High Energy. The two different styles, you know, Owen and Coco, the Flyers, the Nasty Boys of the Brawlers. Yeah. Count me in. We'll see how it goes. We go to a commercial and come back, and it's Crush at a junkyard, and he starts a car compactor, and he laughs, and he goes, (laughs) and I'm thinking, like, you know, Vince saw this as the next Hulk Hogan, so we're thinking, crush maniacs people who love to crush it. 
I guess. <laughs> so we'll see. You know what I found interesting watching that is that like he wore his gimmicks like yeah. in the junkyard, you know, like yeah. his boots and like, you know, his wristbands and like the whole thing. Like, you know, I always think about that. I mean, I know a lot of those guys back in the day, like lived their characters and like they were, you know, I wouldn't say they were, they were in their characters 24 seven. Well, this seven, was but... prime time for like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men yeah. who wore like their gear all the time, Yeah, you know, and that's Power good, Rangers you know, coming out too. Think of that. You know, like, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's good. That's a good point. I this was like the time where everybody like lived a gimmick, like been nineties. And then by like 95, 96, everyone was like, eh, it's kind of fucking lame. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get into that as we go along. Um, speaking of a lame gimmick, it's repo man winning against Jay sledge from Maryland. Boring match, but representing Maryland, Jay Sledge, you came out and you got repossessed. Sorry, you didn't like Repo loss. Man. He was all right. Um, I don't know. As a kid, I was like intrigued, but he came and went so fast. You know? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Where Repo Man, there was a few guys that were like. Actually, no, we didn't talk about this. I'm sorry. I'm thinking I'm thinking of a conversation I had on the upcoming Owen Hart episode of Kicking Out It 2 where I talked about some guys when I was younger that, like, I kind of had an idea that they were somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. my first re- memories of Owen Hart, I was like, that guy looks familiar, and he wrestles familiar like someone I know, and then it turned out it was the Blue Blazer. Right. Which I'll get more in-depth into that when you guys tune into the Kicking Out It 2 episode covering Owen Hart next week, but um, Repo Man was the same thing. I was like, wait a minute, he sounds like somebody I know, and then I was like, aha, Smash from Demolition, and I just remember as a kid, vaguely, re- I vaguely remember being disappointed that there was no more Demolition, because I thought they were cool. Yeah. I really did. I, I dug Me Demolition. Um, I they weren't, that. like, one of my favorites, but I thought that, like, there was more mileage out of the Demolition team itself and i just uh i don't know well going back going back a little bit um i i was very intrigued by crush as dumb as it was like i knew who crush was because he was crush i i wasn't a kid who recognized who um repo man was being barry darso um so yeah i didn't see that but i was like oh i know who crush is this could be a good start for him, but I was still like, where's Demolition? Because I wanted, like, Smash and Crush to be a team, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just, yeah. Hard times as a fan, transitioning. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a theme with some of my, uh, my uh, you know, as, as you know, my, my fandom goes on when I get older. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... Yeah, the Repo Man wins this match. There's nothing to see here. Then we go to the event center again with Sean Mooney. And the Skinner has a promo. He says, 80% of the fans in the WWE are wearing my brand, and I'm going to spit on them. Well, that doesn't <laughs> look like, okay, whatever. I'm going to let that go. Then Bret Hart has 
a great promo here. Did you watch this one? Uh, yes, I did. It was pretty good. I will say it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, he, he's like replying to Sean and he's just like, he doesn't get enough credit on his promos. This is smooth and like excellent and to the point, you know? Yeah. You know, I do think when it comes to his promos, like I wouldn't say there's a, there's an exception of certain guys, but you know, for instance, there's like the Daniel Bryans of the world and the Cesaros and guys that are currently, you know, not looked at as big promo guys, you know, that their, their popularity is based on their ability in the ring. And people say, well, you need, you need to be able to talk on the microphone to connect with people. Um, and I, I can agree with that statement with certain people, but then there are guys, I think there's also that, market for regular everyday people being relatable to the audience Um, and I think Bret Hart had that where you know you go from an era of you know before 1992 of these over the top characters like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior and you know the, the list goes on and on where they you know yell and scream and they have all these different wacky colors and they're the presentation of them they look like a superhero you know come to life but then when you look at a guy like a Bret Hart Bret Hart looks like you know I wouldn't say an average person but he's not so flashy and over the top but he's relatable to an everyday regular person because he doesn't he doesn't have that like outlandish personality like the others that I spoke of so I think that's what made Brett very popular was that he was someone that was relatable to the audience. And I think that's what makes some guys today, like I said, like a Daniel Bryan or a Cesaro, like forever people would say that Daniel Bryan, as great of a wrestler as he is, he's not the greatest on the mic, but I don't think he has to be. You know what I, I mean? I don't think I he also needs to. kind of disagree. I think um, okay. I think he's done his due diligence on the mic. Uh, granted, I, I, he's worked with what the WWE has scripted him at certain times. Uh, we cannot discredit the current run that he has and the no, run no, that he no. had in ROH where he, that was organic. That was all for no. him. No, I can't, um, no, I, I, I can't discredit that. I'm just, all I'm saying is that like, I think what, when people, you know, especially people who are more pro WWE, look at a guy like him, yeah. they, that's that's one that, that's one thing they don't check off in the boxes. You know what I mean? They don't discount his in-ring ability, but when it comes to his microphone work, people think that he needs to be like this stellar performer on the mic, and I don't think he necessarily needs to. And I think that the same went for Brett. You know, people use that against Brett, but I, I don't think Brett needed to be Brett needed to be himself. Brett needed to be Brett. You know what I mean? And I think that's what made him. Um, very popular and likable and relatable to uh, a large portion of the audience as time went on. I agree. And like you said, like the promos feel organic, even still with Daniel Bryan. Like you can tell when they were scripted for WWE and he would even like mention it in the promos, you know, like he wasn't shy about that stuff. Like, I I don't know. Because he knows that they need him. Yes. That's why. Yes. You know what I mean? So he already, like, he even, already built his brand and he made his mark and they believe in themselves. Just like CM yeah. Punk. 
yeah. there's there's calibers of wrestlers like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Steve Austin, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, uh, John Cena, uh, Batista, uh, that have a caliber of their own. That's it. That That's all I can name right now that's like current wrestlers that I know that are active. Um, yeah. Everybody else kind of succumbs and is like, I'll take a paycheck here and there, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Everybody, those guys that I mentioned, they hold themselves to a hierarchy in the wrestling um, characters, and they carry that out very well. And they're they're uh-huh. so good at it. Um, it's just it's it's unmarkable how believable it is. And we will see the characters of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels grow along this show as we go. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. So we go to a commercial. We come back from the commercial. It's Big Boss Man against Glenn Ruth. Ugh, you want to run me down this real quick? Do I want to? <laughs> <laughs> the only the All right. Let's just put it this way. The only thing that I cared about that was that... that was part of this segment was when Nails basically mm-hmm. revealed that, you know, he's out and he's coming for the boss man. And, you know, the, that was it. Everything else, you know, next. Yeah. Yeah. Big boss man Sorry. wins the match Sorry. really quick. And then Nails comes on saying, I'm coming for you. And it's like the most disembodied voice. We'll see who Nails is. Right. Big boss man, I told you I was coming out for you. (laughs) Now I'm gonna hurt you. Can you please keep him a character too? You want to keep that one too? Yeah. (laughs) So that was. So I take it you liked my nails. Yes. All right. You nails it. I. Try the steak, folks. He's going to be here all Thank week. you, everybody. It's Retromania uh, open mic. Um, so we're, we're moving on with um, what I thought was the main event, which yes. tricked the fuck out of me. It's yeah. Brian Knobs out with Jimmy Hart and uh, Jerry Sags against Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior comes down, runs out, clotheslines both of the Nasty Boys. They get up. He clotheslines them both over the top rope. Over the top rope. They uh, sell for a bit. And uh, Ultimate Warrior's tights say, The Ultimate Return. Really, was it? Because this is what Vince was like booking off of the back end of WrestleMania 8, right? He was trying to, like, get that rebirth going. Yeah, they were, I mean, Hogan was gone, and they needed a, he was still kind of hanging on to that, that, that model of the larger-than-life, you know, the big man kind of, uh, you know, character that, uh, you know, was, like, leading the charge, and, yeah, I mean, he was, they were still pretty much, like you said, riding high off of WrestleMania 8. And, uh, you know, 
because Warrior was the lead dog in the fight for for a time being. Even though Savage was the champion, you know, which kind of seems to be a pattern amongst you know WWE over the years. Whereas like you know, unless you're this big monster of man, you know, if you're the champion and you're not that size, then you're almost an afterthought. You know, I mean. Yeah. We, we could go down the list, you know, of all the times where a guy has been the champion and he's been the afterthought and it's been like their vision of their guy, you know? So. Yeah. Gets crazy. Uh, and we will see as the weeks go along. So, knobs and sags start double teaming the Ultimate Warrior on the outside, but Earl Hebner is the referee, so nothing to see here. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah right Nobbs beats down the warrior and stomps on his armband and throws it in the middle of the ring and then all of a sudden during the match Papa Shango comes out grabs that armband and leaves and uh, continuing on with the match Nobbs works over warrior uh, then Warrior gets a shoulder tackle, then a chair shot from Sags as Hebner is talking with Jimmy Hart. We go for a pen attempt from Brian Nobbs. One, two, no. Uh, Warrior starts hulking up, and uh, Nobbs eats the buckle and gets three clotheslines in a row, and then a huge shoulder tackle and a big splash one, two, three. The fans go wild. Uh, it's definitely piped in, but you can see them in the crowd, you know, getting hyped. Um, then all of a sudden, Papa Shango comes out. What happens here, Dave? Well, Papa Shango basically comes out, and because he had taken the Ultimate Warrior's headband, or the, I'm sorry, the wristband earlier, um, he needed that to um, complete the curse of the ultimate warrior and uh warrior um was out you know on the ring apron and he fell off the ring apron and holding his side and um you know it looked like we were seeing the beginning of the curse i believe mr perfect even said like this is it man this is the curse the curse of papa shango and the ultimate warrior and vince and, says you know, i hope it's not appendicitis yeah that's right i forgot about that <laughs> Oh my god! I know, right? Like, you know, at least sell the curse. But you can hear uh, for... organic fans going "warrior, warrior, warrior," like really chanting yeah. him on. That's not piped in. No, no, no. Because there were times on this show where, like, oh, yeah. that you you Earlier. would hear like the crowd erupt, and then it would turn out that like when you look at it, like they're just sitting on their hands doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the piped in the piped in chants were were a little. Uh, we're, we're we're out of tune with what we're seeing on on the on the screen, but um yeah, Papa Shango came out. He held the the skull with the smoke over it, um, over Warrior's body, while uh, the referees and officials, J.J. Dillon being one of them, coming out to ringside to try and uh, help the Warrior. And then uh, we came back. Uh, we went to commercial, and then when we came back, um, the uh, the the image that I remember the most as a kid. <laughs> was when the Ultimate Warrior threw up Ritz crackers all over the fucking doctor. Um, it was and, like green food dye and Ritz crackers, right? Yeah. 
It was something. Yeah, it was. It, and the 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 vomit noise was so fake. It was like, <laughs> and they cut it up like terribly. Oh yeah, but, like the, like the yeah. like the doctor was in one position, <laughs> and when Warrior threw up on him, he was like in a different part of the room. Like the, the edit was kind of awful on yeah. it, but like and and all right, I'm sorry, but like the doctor just stood there, like he didn't even sell it. You know what I mean? Like he took the vomit to the face. Vince you know, is like, like you're a doctor, like, goddamn doctor. Yeah, you're supposed to be able to take that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty well, hokey. If he wipes feces on you, you're not going to throw up, goddammit. I'm wondering what they said to the arena. Like, the Ultimate Warrior has been taken to a medical facility or never said anything. Or if they showed yeah. them this footage. Um, I don't know if there's the no technology. video screens back yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. There was no, like, Titantron or anything like that. Like, what you saw in the arena is what you saw. Um, yeah. So that's that's interesting if they. If they even said something, addressed it, or if uh, I, I would, I would imagine they probably said like the Ultimate Warriors on the way to the hospital. We'll have more updates or a local medical medical facility. God damn it! Oh, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, we're taking them to the walk-in clinic because we can't afford a hospital. Yeah. Um, the, the inter- interesting high, segment, but I will never forget it as a kid. Um, well, yeah, that image of him throwing up, like, I mean, and that, to me, like, as a kid, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this month, like, I, I was like, he's serious, like, Papa Shango's serious, like, he put a curse on the Ultimate right? Warrior, you know? And like, he sold it well, he just stayed in character, he never, like, went too bizarre or too off, you know, no. off the handles, he just stayed there and got escorted out, he just waited until he got escorted out, he didn't like, yeah. you know, yeah, good stuff. Oh, yeah. Hokey stuff, but good stuff. Then we go along with the show WWF Superstars. It's Jumping Jim Brunzel and Bobby Knight, not the fucking basketball coach, but uh, Bobby Knight. Although he could throw a chair. Sure, he could. Yeah, he'd probably be good in WWE throwing chairs. That motherfucker was bad. Hardcore era. Yeah, yeah, ECW right away. You know what I mean? An Indiana Hoosier on a pole match with Bobby Knight. (laughs) Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, These guys go against the Beverly Brothers with the genius. And uh, LOD have a promo about coming for the Beverly Brothers. And eventually we will get that clash between those two teams. We'll see when. But the Brett... The Beverly brother, the Beverly brothers win with that double team move of a driving a guy's face into the mat. Looks deadly. This guy takes the bump full face and then they pick up the other guy, paint his chest and his face and put LOS on it. And that's about it. And genius says, I can't stand a sissy. You mean yourself? Okay. The genius, yeah. yeah. I can't stand the sissy, can't you see? I can't stand the sissy. I lick my dick and balls. One, two, three. <laughs> I pin myself. <laughs> I do the job all over my knob. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah so that come up that match genius, will be coming up with the Beverly's and uh, LOD. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, 
I like that double team move from the Beverly Brothers. I'll be honest with you. I, I really did like it. Um, especially like when the, yeah, like you throw the guy up in the air and he's all the way up. And then, you know, as he's coming down, the other Beverly just takes his head and like smack. I thought that was a pretty cool move. Interesting. It was different that time. Yeah. It's kind of like a move for move match. The doomsday yeah. against the Beverly device. I guess that's yeah. What you would call or the, the yeah the the what, what did they even did they have a name for that? I don't know. We'll have uh, to look that okay. up. We'll, we'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> then the one of the last segments we go to the event center again with Sean Mooney, and he tosses to rap legend Virgil, who says. I'm coming for everybody. Papa Shango! (laughs) I I saw that. I was like, my goodness. This fucking guy can't even get it right. I was born on Friday Friday the 13th. So you know, I know what strange characters are. Yes, indeed. You're one of them. And he finishes it up saying, I got my right, my left. And all the good people around the world do my thing. All right. <laughs> Whatever the fuck He wants that all means. the good people in the world to do his thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, Virgil. Yeah. We go to a commercial and back, and they are um, commenting on the warrior situation. Vince says, a physician has said... The warrior has stopped vomiting. So, that's good. (laughs) Next week, we'll get the Bushwhackers, The Undertaker, Ted DiBiase, and IRS all on the show. It's going to be good. Action-packed stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed this episode of Superstars. The, the most out of all the ones we've covered so far. Yes, um, me too. I thought that this was, it, it didn't feel like there was too much. Like the first couple episodes of Superstars, I felt like there was a lot crammed into a small period of time. Um, and there wasn't any kind of continuity. Whereas in this episode, I felt like we were start. I felt like we're starting to get a rhythm with Superstars. And we're maybe, building maybe I just stories. Need to, yeah, exactly. Like it was, you know, there was a lot of little teases here and there in the past few episodes, but this time around I think we got some there was there was some substance. Yes. Definitely agreed. Um you ready to move on to 605 live? That's right. We're going to TBS 605, the Superstation. No music intro. This is weird, right? Did you get a music intro? No, did not. Um, it was weird. They like cut everything out. Usually they dub over it. There was nothing here. And then we get like mid-sentence Missy Hyatt tossing to Jim Ross. It's just weird. I thought there was something up with my with my, my, uh, my Roku player when no. I was watching it. No, um, uh, it's I the was, network. Yeah, it was just the network. But I know that like the first few episodes of Saturday Night we were watching, um, I think the network put like some dubbed over music. Um, Shit, we got Alabama. He said he's going to do like two songs. At the Jungle June Jam or whatever you call it. We got right. mini golf over there. We got we got tire throwing. We got cow tipping. We got all things going on at the June Jam. We're going to have Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. They're right. going to be guest right. judges for the Miss right. June Alabama. Yep. Um, 
that, you know, we're going to have all kinds of stuff. We're going to have Colonel Robert Parker. He's going to be, oh, that's right. <laughs> that Colonel Robert Parker. He, my, my boy's a buck and a ton of dick. We're going to crown the Miss Alabama, if you will. Oh, wait. That's a couple years later, WCW. Yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe we'll cover that someday. We'll see. But, yeah, yeah. All kinds of all kinds of redneck hillbilly shit going on <laughs> at the June Jam with uh, with 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 Randy Owen in Alabama. Yeah, but um, so yeah, this, maybe this they is, used uh, music, maybe they didn't. We don't know, or who the fuck cares. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, Missy Hyatt, you know, throws it to Jim Ross, and uh, you know he's um, you know, it's the night before Wrestle War, Wrestle War nineteen ninety two. So there's a lot going on as we head into the Wrestle War pay-per-view on this episode of WCW Saturday Night. So crazy. Um, just, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think this is pre-taped, correct? This isn't live. Yeah, I don't think they've... I, I think everything was pre-taped um, when it came to them. But still, uh, prepping for a pay-per-view that you didn't know, like... I mean, guys can get injured. The card can change at any moment. Well, it depends on when they last taped that episode. Who knows? They might have taped that episode a few days prior, uh, you know, like a couple of days prior, had a few days to edit with everyone that was healthy, and then bing, bang, boom, you know, we're off to the pay-per-view. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but they also, at the same time, they were WCW was also known for taping so many episodes of TV that, like, guys did get hurt. They would still air the matches, and there was really no explanation as to why, you know, certain guys would... Be, you know well we uh, got so-and-so replacing so-and-so folks yeah yeah it would be like that or like or or they would or they would tape an episode of tv and guys would come out wearing the belts that hadn't lost the belts yet at a pay-per-view or something like that you know what i mean we might like see been... that stuff down the line okay all right interesting that'll be interesting to follow uh jim ross welcomes his guest for this episode play a play it's Teddy Long. Hmm. Oh man, yeah. Teddy Long Teddy is a Long. changed man now, you know. Uh, then we get like a little promo for the main event tonight. Two out of three falls match. It's Johnny B. Bad against Scotty Flamingo. Boy, yeah, it ain't gonna happen, my brother. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> This is crazy, and then they're flashing back to Teddy Long. Are are you seeing where they're trying to market to the black audience with all these? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I, I don't. Um, I don't say so either. But use black characters, not you know, trying yeah. to be bad and Scott. But at the same there. time, though, like let's be honest, it was 1992. I was nine years old. That was the beginning of the era where, like, the the hip hop culture had kind Rap of Rap became commercial. Yes, it not only became commercial, but like it also kind of crossed over to where the 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 Caucasians mm-hmm. were 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 influenced by it. You yeah. know what I mean? You had van- Vanilla Ice, yes. and you know, as you know what I mean. So like, you had you know Caucasian Americans. That were that were trying to. I, I want to. I'm trying to use this phrase delicately here, without offending someone. Even though I don't mind offending people from time to time, but um, they were trying to 
act like they were black. Yeah. I guess you could say. Build you a know? voice for themselves within a culture that had a voice. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I related to this as a child myself. Of course, I'm a little bit younger, but definitely affected my culture because, I mean, as we spoke of, like Ninja Turtles too had vanilla ice and like a lot of hip hop all over it. Um, yeah. All this time period, you're going through like grunge rock and like the peak of hip hop music. So we will see a lot of WCW latching on to the hip hop stuff as uh, WWF kind of goes like, I don't know. You know, they, they're still waning with like pop music here and there. I don't know. WCW was like, I guess because Turner, that he was like, shit, I like country, I like hip-hop, like, I'm, you know, I like everything. Yeah. Right. You know, like, I don't know. Um, I think no, they, they had they, a bigger they, market. They kind of, they, they tried to follow the trends more from, from the music industry and tried to, because music was a big thing back then. Yes. In, in, in you know, in, in mainstream pop culture, that they were trying to get that audience and have them watch, you know, their programming. Whereas I don't think Vince McMahon and the WWF at that time were really trying to get that audience. It's over still Cindy Lauper, huh? Not even necessarily yeah. just music in general. I think that like they, once they made it big and they, you know, were a mainstream thing for a number of years, I don't think they needed to rely on trying to steal another audience True. of another genre to watch their show. You know what I mean? Like, he relied on just wrestling fans, you know? True. Whereas WCW, on the other hand, they were... They had many different resources under that Turner umbrella and with, you know, with, with Turner owning, you know, so many different sports franchises like the Braves and the Atlanta Hawks, you try to tap into the, the, you know, the sports fans. But then, you know, of course, like you said, music and, and with, with rock and roll and hip hop and, you know, things like you said, grunge rock coming to the forefront during this time period. Um, they tried to use that, that music avenue to get more of an audience. And I think it wasn't a bad idea at all. No, it wasn't. Um, I just think the... I just think the execution might have been a little poor. Yeah, and WWF and WWE and Vince and his company finds ways to execute it better, um, as we've learned with wrestling history. But, uh, yeah. yeah, this is just an interesting time because, you know, Vince is going through the steroid scandal right now, so he's kind of like in and out the door worrying about the feds and yep. everything that's going on. So this is a a pivotal time for WCW to take the lead as we've voted in the last couple of weeks. You and I have at least in two separate weeks voted WCW better than Mon- our WWF superstars. Yeah. So we'll see as the weeks go along. This is an interesting time in the wrestling business, the cable, advent of cable, television, pay-per-view, everything. Uh, It's awesome. Just a great time to be a fan and be alive. Oh, yeah, for sure. Why do you think we're covering it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moving on with this episode of WCW, Teddy Long is out here talking with Jim Ross, talking about going back to the projects and talking to the little homies with Ron Simmons. That's not racist <laughs> enough. 
Ah, little homies. Okay. Yeah. He wants to help out and be one of the godfathers and be on the good foot of everything. Okay, cool. So we'll see where this leads, right? Yeah, I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Sorry. (laughs) Next up, we have a special handicap match. It's Harley Race out with the Super Invader against Ian Weston and Keno McKenzie. Jim Ross talks about his hotline and having predictions for Wrestle War, so you can waste money calling Jim Ross in 1992, and he'll give you fake predictions, folks. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you call the WCW hotline right now, one 900 kids get your parents' permission, dollar four nine for the first minute, 99 cents for each additional minute, I'm going to give you some news and scoops on things that you don't get to hear over on the other channel. Who's going to come over to whose side? Who's going to jump off the top rope? And whose ass is Bill Watts going to be kissing tomorrow? <laughs> you find out right now on the WCW hotline, one 900 That's some good shit. <laughs> uh, that was off the cuff, my friend. That was off the cuff. That is awesome. Uh, He is part of the hosting squad now. All right. So the super. My JR. Yeah. The super invader wins this match easily. He power bombs both guys consecutively and then pins them both. One, two, three. R.I.P. Do you know who the super invader was? Yeah, that was um, Powers, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Diamond. Paul Diamond. No? Hercules. What? Yeah. I got him confused. I didn't know that I didn't know that till recently either. But yeah, it was Hercules Hernandez. That's awesome that he's coming out of that uh you know, absence from the WWF. He had just done his streak for WrestleMania's uh over and over and then, you know, comes over to NWA WCW as they're transitioning. Uh, full-fledged WCW right here, but uh, they talk about him teaming up with Big Van Vader, which... Yes. Yeah. It's all under the camp of Harley Race. Some big hosses. I thought he was, I thought he was impressive looking um, yes. as a kid. Um, the Super Invader, and uh, very imposing and intimidating at, you know, nine years old, but um, looking back on it now... Um, I don't think he needed to do the whole samurai warrior, like, you know, Japanese ninja kind of gimmick. No, because he um, used clotheslines and, like, throat thrusts. Like, it was, yeah. yeah, it was nothing. He would have, you know what, like, the look, like, the actual look of him himself, like, he could have been a good villain, like, on the Ninja Turtles. Like, I'm not kidding around. Oh, yeah. Like, the super invader, just the look, right? like, he would have been, like, you know, good, like, with, like, Shredder's, like, the Foot Clan, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and Krang and the Technodrome. And He's stuff, half you know I mean? turtle, half human. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. No. We can book it. Book no. it, yeah. We can book it. We get. We're gonna next week. I'm marking off the days. We're gonna book teenage. We're gonna book teenage mutant ninja turtles. We got eight man tag team master Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael. The four of them little green goblins. They're gonna take on Super Shredder, Crane, the Technodrome, and the Super Invader in an eight man tag team elimination match. You call us right now. The WCW Hotline one nine hundred nine zero nine 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 hundred. And I'm gonna tell you who's ass Bill Watts isn't gonna be kissing next week. Dollar forty nine first minute ninety nine cents each additional minute. 
Go go get on that hotline, folks. It's Sassafras, Jim Ross, JR Barbecue Sauce. Holy shit. Oh, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. So, we go to a commercial. We come back. And it's JR with Brian Pillman talking about his match coming up at. Uh, Wrestle War 1992 in less than 24 hours. Yeah, um, this was interesting because uh, Pillman was kind of, he was a good guy, but he was kind of leaning towards that, like, he was starting to get a little bit more of an edge. He was mouthy, right? Yeah, he was get yeah, he was, there was a little attitude to him that I kind of liked, and uh, you, know, you could tell in this interview, and it will go, you know, it, it's kind of a running theme yes. for this episode. Yes. But yeah, um, it was interesting, and this was during a time period in WCW where, you know, they had just kind of debuted the light heavyweight division, and so, um, you know, Pillman being the figurehead of it, and, you know, the one that they really centered it around. Um, and he beats Jushin you know, Thunder Liger. Yes, he beat Jushin Thunder Liger for the for the light heavyweight championship. But yeah, um, I thought it was I thought it was a solid segment with him and uh, good old Jr. Um, hyping up the Wrestle War uh, matchup. And yeah. so and uh, they talk about the Wrestle War matchup being about gaining advantage, not momentum, because WWE nowadays likes to talk about everybody wrestling three weeks in a row building momentum. That's not how you yeah. do it. You build a tag match like the week before. That's it. You don't do it several times in different, like, you know, like two man, one man, here or there. Like, you know, come on. Uh, like, they, they kill it with, with the, the oversaturation of the matches. You just have one, and you talk about it being the advantage going into the special. You know? I don't know. It's just yeah. plain and simple. No, I get what you're saying. I totally get it. I understand. So we go to this advantage-type match. It's Koloff, Nikita Koloff, with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco with Paulie Dangerously. Steamboat still has his tape nosed. Uh, you know, he's he, he's not like giving up the injury. He's selling it until the event. This is another thing. We need to keep it real. I know it's like a tape TV show and we get these like injuries and they come and go, but come on. That's where you, you pinpoint me in, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. Um, I thought this was a good match. I liked it. And, um, I thought it was a good way to kind of lead us into the the main event for Wrestle War. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was I thought it was pretty pretty solid. And they didn't give away too much. And the, at the end, you kind of saw the friction with Zabisco. Yeah, there's a um, DQ at the end, and we get a like a schmoz and the chair involved. And it's a great ending scene, though. It's it's Steamboat holding a chair while he's like standing straddling over over Koloff, a guy who he had feuded with, a guy who nobody trusted for years, but offend, defending him against the DA, you know? The, yeah. The workhorses of the DA, at least. 
minus Stunning Steve. I mean, they're all workhorses. What am I saying? But, yeah. <laughs> but a yeah, good segment um, here, here to lead it up. No, I, no, I liked it. And uh, it just it just got me more excited to watch the main event of Wrestle War. You know what I mean? And the, the War Games match, which we're going to cover in a special watch party set to drop in the next few days on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, and they gave you enough in this match to, like, lead you to what was going on with war games and they didn't like spoil a finish in this match. And you didn't like, you saw it coming, but you didn't because we don't see Mm -hmm. it every week. Like you said. Yeah. Um, so we finish with this segment. We go to a commercial and come back and it's Jr. and the D man. I'm sorry. It's the Z man. Uh, (laughs) well, he was given that D man to, uh, to uh, Missy Hyatt, I'm sure. I'm sure he right. was. And yeah. still uh, beside them is Flying Brian. Hmm, this is interesting. They're both going to have the match tomorrow night, like you talked about, at Wrestle War for the Light Heavyweight Championship. JR asks if he's going to work on the back of uh, Flying Brian tomorrow night because he knows. That is injured, and he's bringing it up. So, yeah. Z-Man says, uh, yep. Yep, basically. And then Brian cuts a promo, which is awesome, like we were talking about. And he's just talking about, like, we're not partners anymore, and I don't think you were the dominant one. He's just getting a little more aggressive. You know? It's weird to see. It's weird to see Brian Pillman turning heel and being aggressive and like also very popular and hot as well as the same time as Shawn Michaels on the other side of the spectrum. That's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't really think of that. Um, but you know what? Z-Man was no slouch when it came to the ladies either. I mean, they no. were pretty much into him, but I will say Z-Man's delivery um on the microphone, not the greatest. Good-looking guy, solid in the ring, but as far as talking goes, like it didn't really come off very organic. It's a few of his responses to Pillman's, you know, jabs at him. He like didn't know what to make of it, and he just had the very like standard, like, "Oh, come on, Brian!" Right? Like right. it just sounded very like it didn't. It didn't sound very organic. Like I don't know. I just he wasn't he wasn't the best talker in the world, and we'll see that later on when they have their confrontation at the end. Won't spoil it too much for you, but yeah. Definitely a heated segment, though. Uh, then we go oh, to sure. WCW Magazine with Easy e running down the Wrestle War participants. Um, everybody involved for the War Games and the matches that are going to be coming along. So we get some promos from the uh, altering teams. What did you think of these? I thought it was pretty good. Um, just more hype for the uh, the, the the big um, you know the, the the big pay per view main event. I mean, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think this uh, was the, like the key, like you know, like WCW does those like I don't know. They like they hit it on the head for like Survivor Series or like they this promo these promos from these teams were perfect in my opinion. Yeah, up and down. Oh, absolutely. 
No, absolutely. It, it, everyone, everyone spoke, and you kind of got like little stories in between. Like you know, Steamboat was like, you know, the date, you know, the the, the team's given me, you know, Rick Rude, or mm-hmm. you know, I got my eyes on you, Rude. Like I'm gonna have you all to myself, you know, and and so yeah, I mean, it was you had little stories, you know, little mini feuds within the whole team, you know, concept. And yeah, I thought it was really well done. Definitely got you. Definitely got you more excited to watch that match. Yeah. Yeah, definitely did. And I didn't know that they called themselves the DAs. Yeah, that's interesting. I noticed that too. Because um, we were just kind of jokingly mentioning it on this show. And then uh, as they were um, as they were talking about it on this episode, they, they mentioned, you know, they abbreviated it for DAs. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. And I didn't, even, I didn't even know they said it, you know, until this episode. Same here. Yeah. Um Easy E then pimps the other matches like I spoke of, which is going to be a lot of uh, rematches that we've seen throughout the weeks. Um, but good stuff, nonetheless. Yes. But we will be covering the war games, won't we? That'll be good. Yeah, I am looking forward to that. Yeah. Sometime to drop in the next few days over at the Retro Media Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean, a little bonus show, if you will, mm-hmm. um, culminating with uh, the war game Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance from Wrestle War 1992. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, man. Should be a fun one. Um, then we go to Steamboat, who is calling a bunch of pain pay phones and trying to figure out what's going on with all these girls from the other week saying that he was cheating <laughs> yeah. on his wife uh, i mean what could be the issue but then uh no other than ddp shows up and says trust me which is so weird because ddp is so close with jake the snake roberts Throughout their whole careers. Uh, And Jake is just coming off this big heel run in WWF around this time where his theme music was Trust Me. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. DDP says Trust Me and whispers something in the ears of Steamboat. And we'll stay tuned for the development of that storyline. Yeah, that that was that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish there. If DDP was just like a conduit for more, um, you know, uh, you know, a bigger picture, um, or if he was going to be a part of the, um, you know, this, I wouldn't say, you know, this, oh, you know, the plan between the Dangerous Alliance and and. Uh, you know, kind of screwing over Steamboat, but yeah, I thought the, I thought the the inclusion of DDP was interesting because his character wasn't doing a whole lot at that time in WCW. So, no, but we will see where it goes. Um, big main event coming up. It's Flying Brian out here scouting, um, as. They toss to Rhubarb Jones, who introduces Scotty Flamingo and JT, the most excellent guitar-playing dude, Southern. What a fucking long-ass name, dude. Like, why the fuck? JT, the most excellent guitar-playing dude, 
Southern. That's drawing that heat, baby. Yeah. Drawing that heat. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, but it doesn't mix, though, because JT Southern is, like, playing a guitar, and then they go to an interview with Scotty Flamingo, who his second is JT Southern, and Scotty Flamingo is like, yo, boy, yo, boy, yo. Like, oh I mean, God. it doesn't mix. They're like, all right, maybe we're thinking too far ahead in the future. 2002, I know the rap and rock connection really... uh you know, stick it to each other. So maybe they're thinking, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Ten years in the future. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? WCW was ahead of their time at certain points. At times, yes, they were, and then there were other times where, like, they didn't really catch on. No, this is just them trying to market to everybody. Anyhow, Johnny B. Bad comes out speaking of marketing to anybody Um, because everybody loves him here dude like in the crowd they're going wild it's not even piped in oh i know yeah i know yeah i was kind of surprised with that one too um yeah yeah i mean jr brings up brian pillman being involved in last year's war games where he had a career threatening injury close call stuff Mm. Well, you know, you got to keep up with that consistency, you know, because if there ain't no consistency, there's nothing, you, you ain't going to have an ass every 18 inches. You know what I mean? My my, my boy, you know, the, the cowboy, he taught me that, you know, you got to be consistent with the stories that you know, the people follow. They're not stupid, you know, they're not stupid at all. But if you call WCW hotline right now, one 909 $1,49 a minute, 99 cents each additional minute, I'm going to consistently tell you all the scoops so that there could be an ass every 18 inches. <laughs> I give you the vertebrae that he cracked. The uh, (laughs) Jesus. I know. I know. Uh, So this is not a bad match for a two out of three falls match between uh, Scotty Flamingo, who is Raven, and Johnny B. Bad, who is otherwise known as Mark Merrow. Uh, Technical match. Uh, Back and forth at the beginning. We get a headlock from Bad to Flamingo, and then back into the ring. Flamingo does a backdrop as um, he, like, tries to pin, but then they flip back over, and then Johnny grabs another headlock, and then they just roll each other up, and Flamingo holds the tights on Johnny. One, two, three. I think that was a mistake, because he should have, like, backdropped him and then done the roll-up, you know? I'll be honest with you. I I... You didn't. didn't care for this match. <laughs> I I really didn't. I mean, I don't know. Some I I feel like sometimes you know I, I for the most part we credit 1992 being a very underrated year in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know at some point I gotta call bullshit when I call bullshit, and I just wasn't really into the Scotty Flamingo Johnny B Bad. You know their their match. You know what I mean? I just wasn't. No, it wasn't uh, the greatest. Um, yeah, I'll run you down the last two falls and see if you hang in there with me. Oh, I mean, I'll hang in there. Don't get me wrong. I just, <laughs> I'm just being straight up and honest with you. Flamingo like catches his toes on the top ropes after he gets punched 
through the middle and top rope by Johnny B. Bad. That was a nice spot. Like he like he doesn't fall to the mat. He just catches his toes on the top rope and like saves himself. But uh Okay. But Johnny B. Bad knocks him off and then they go inside. Scotty Flamingo goes for a superplex. He gets pushed down. Johnny B. Bad Sunset flips him from the top rope. One, two, three. We get our second fall. Not too bad. Then we go to commercial and back. Uh, Scotty is working over Johnny after getting some cheap shots. Johnny goes for the sunset flip on the inside again and misses Scotty and lands right in the middle. And it's just simple stuff here. He's like selling the back. It's okay. Um, both men run the ropes and then they collide with the cross body attempt, which I'm sure we'll see from the light heavyweights of like Z man and Brian Pillman. Like they, yep. they all do the same stuff. Um, mm-hmm. we get a huge power slam from Johnny to Scotty. One, two, no Scotty grabs a waist lock on Johnny B bad. And Johnny B. Bad shoots to the corner. He ducks as Scotty hits his head on the top turnbuckle. And Johnny rests in the middle turnbuckle. All of a sudden, J.T. Southern grabs the guitar, smashes Johnny B. Bad in the head. He rolls back and gets rolled up by Scotty Tuhati. Or, well, Scotty Flamingo, I'm sorry. Scotty Flamingo rolls Johnny B. Bad up. One, two, three. He wins the match. So, uh, yeah. Not too bad of a finish there because it was, like, pretty fluent. Like, it just Mm -hmm. happened really quick and, like, JT Southern hit him in the face and that was it. And uh, so at the end of the Scotty and Johnny match, JT... JT Southern and Scotty Flamingo start beating down Johnny B. Bad. All of a sudden, the Z-Man runs out and saves them, I guess. But then he gets beat down, and then all of a sudden, Brian Pillman comes out, and they all three clear house. That's Brian Pillman, the Z-Man, and Johnny B. Bad standing tall. As they say, the lightweights have... uh, cleared the house and they're standing tall which is a cool little spot there but yeah that's leading on and building up for wrestle war 1992 they talk about next week having a two out of three falls match it's a six-man tag team match though it's going to be dustin runnels nikita koloff ricky steamboat against bobby eaton arn anderson Larry Zabisco, the DA, if you will. Then, this last little moment here. Dave, you want to run us down? Um, yeah, I mean, this was the end where, you know, um, Pillman and uh, Z-Man had come out at the end, and uh, basically two of them are kind of jawing back and forth with each other. Um, got involved in the finish of the match, and then, you know, we're going to start Wrestle War early, I guess. And the two get in the ring, and then they take their clothes off, and the girls are, you know, screaming. Then they get the referees involved, and we get off, we go off the air with the two of them looking like they're going to fight as we head into Wrestle War. Um, 
You know, I thought the I thought the build up with the tension between both guys in the segment earlier in the evening to then get us to this point, I thought it was very well done and added a little more intrigue to their match heading into the Wrestle War pay per view. Then we go on to next week talking about the matches and then the build up for Z Man and Brian Pillman um coming up tomorrow night, which is interesting because these guys like, you know, they've clashed heads several times over this episode. Yes. Yeah. So looks interesting, but uh we will not be covering that. We will be covering the <laughs> War Games nineteen ninety two match itself. Just the war games, everybody. Um which I look forward to. Which is going to be awesome. I remember this one. This is a great one. Yes, during a time period in WCW where um, they were really trying to... um, I wouldn't say they were trying to get step out of the shadow of Ric Flair, but um, they were really making... They they were moving on without him. And I think they were doing a pretty good job of it. I agree. Um, they were actually beating a lot of WWF stuff in buy rates around this time too. So, um, it's, it's, it's a crazy time to be a fan and I always enjoy looking back every week with you, Dave, as we do here at marking out the days. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. It's uh, it's definitely a lot of fun going back each and every week with you here. I appreciate it. So, what do we have going on next week? Um, next week on WCW Saturday Night. Hold on. Let me... Uh, well, all right, first of all, before we get into what we have going on next week, why don't, we, why don't you tell us which, oh, in your opinion, right. which show was the better show um, out of the two on May the 16th of 1992? I will say the Superstars. Um, I liked Superstars because it was just, um, action-packed and had a lot of stuff progressing in storylines and stuff that I would have liked as a kid. I almost remember watching this episode because of the Nasty Boys and Ultimate Warrior stuff and then the, the throw-up stuff. They must have edited it together on a Coliseum home video or something. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, like this is memorable okay. for me. Um, so I will go with the WWF superstars. How about you? I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I, the superstars is going to get the win unanimously this week because, um, I think the, there, like I said, there was more substance, um, in the stories. Not that there was anything wrong with Saturday night cause they were still progressing very well, but, um, they were heading into a pay-per-view and I don't know, like, you as a kid, I just remember the visual of Ultimate Warrior puking his brains out all over the doctor, um, you know, on WWF Superstars because of the curse of Papa Shango. So I'm going to give it to Superstars this week. Uh, as far as next week goes on Superstars, um, we'll find, we'll see Undertaker, Money Incorporated, David Boy Smith, Papa Shango will have a presence on this show. The Beverly Brothers, I'm sure, more continuity. Um, with the storylines in 1992 for the WWF and over on WCW Saturday night for May the 23rd of 1992, we are going to see a special 
six-man tag team match as Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, and Nikita Koloff are going to face the Dangerous Alliances, Larry Zbysko, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton. Hot off the heels of the War Games match from Wrestle War 1992. Yeah. Um, Ron Simmons is going to go one-on-one with the tailor-made man, Terry Taylor, mm. plus the Super Invader in another handicap match. Tracy Smothers and Richard Morton battle World Tag Team Champions, the Steiner Brothers, and so much more on WCW Saturday Night. And that's what we're going to be covering on Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, Episode 5, next week. Sounds like a lot of fun, as always, and we are building this uh this these stories throughout 1992 i love these stories uh so many things going on we got the tailor-made man we got uh you know the the gearing up they think at least ultimate warrior and sid maybe sid and the undertaker i mean who knows but we will find out as we go along um yeah it's just a lot of crazy stuff 1992 it's crazy yeah yeah it's uh it's it, like it's a it's a fun year but it's also the beginning of some changes in wrestling that we will see moving forward in the coming years yes um so everybody follow us on podbean at retromania with a w at the beginning you can follow us on itunes searching at retromania with a w you can Join the community at Facebook at Retromania with a W. You can write to us at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. And Dave, everybody can find you over at Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Our Twitter handle at kicking out two K I C K N O U T and the number two. We got squared circle cinemas up for you on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Vengeance 2004 Watch Party. And next week, the Owen Hart Tribute Show, all brought to you by Kicking Out at Two. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, everybody take care. Like, rate, review, subscribe, please. It helps this network grow. It helps Dave and I grow and do what we love to do and provide for you. Anyhow, take care, folks. <laughs>